When it comes to weight loss, no two people are the same. That's why Noom builds personalized plans based on your unique psychology and biology. Take Brittany. After years of unsustainable diets, Noom helped her lose 20 pounds and keep it off. I was definitely in a yo-yo cycle for years of just losing weight, gaining weight, and it was exhausting. And Stephanie. She's a former D1 athlete who knew she couldn't out-train her diet, and she lost 38 pounds. My relationship to food before Noom was never consistent. And Evan, he can't stand salads, but he still lost 50 pounds with Noom. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. Even through the pickiness, Noom taught me that building better habits builds a healthier lifestyle. I'm not doing this to get to a number. I'm doing this to feel better. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom users compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Support for this podcast and the following message come from Corient. Corient provides wealth management services centered around you. They focus on exceeding your expectations and simplifying your life. Corient has been helping high achievers just like you enjoy their lives more fully, preserve their wealth, and provide for the people, causes, and communities they care about. As one of the largest integrated fee-only registered investment advisors in the U.S., Corient has deeply experienced teams in 23 strategic locations. Corient has extensive knowledge spanning the full spectrum of plan investing, lending, and money management disciplines. Leverage Corient's exclusive network of experts to craft custom solutions designed to help you reach your financial goals, no matter how complex they may be. Real wealth requires real solutions. For more information, connect with a wealth advisor today at Corient.com. That's C-O-R-I-E-N-T.com. Corient.com. Well, Matt, fellow adventurers... I'm still in the town of Red Warren, and it, and people are still possessed. And apparently, I have no, I can't. There doesn't seem to be any other option but to to visit all the buildings and fight them all, and hopefully, some of some of the thing will appear. I've investigated the first four buildings last time. Now, onto the church. Moving across the gloomy, rain-swept town square, with your every sense alert, you head for the church. You reach the front door of the structure and spend several moments watching and listening before cautiously making your way inside. On the western edge of the town square, two buildings down from the meeting house, stands Red Warren's only church. The well-kept structure is flanked by two massive stone sculptures. Each monument massively depicting the symbol of Sifak. A mountain with a palm outward hand above it. The church and its momentane grounds down empty. A quick and cautious search of the premises turns up nothing of any particular interest. Leave, but then suddenly you're less than three steps from the door when it suddenly slams shut. A soft footfall from behind sends your pulse racing, and you instinctively spin around to find yourself confronted by a sight that defies description, standing together in the centre of the church. Only a few few yards from you are seven men and women, their heads hung low, and their expressionless faces 
and unblinking eyes fixed on the floor. Slowly, nearly in unison, the members of the silent, ghastly horde raised their heads, transferring their haunting gazes from the floor to you. You once again find yourself confronted by the ghoulish, lurching legion of Red Warren's possessed citizenry. As you fall back and draw yourself into a defensive stance, your mind races to determine a course of action. The possessed horde continues to advance. And I'm fighting the first one, young man with a splintered chair leg. And I'm subduing him. Hisses as he viciously assails me. And he is subdued. The possessed woman. Oh dear. Just after one of those gender changing punches again. And down, down, down he, she goes. Alright, number two. Middle aged man. Clutch chunk of stone. Bash, 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 bash. 22 XP. Number three. Young man clutching a jagged length of wood. Okay, bash, 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 Middle-aged woman, jagged length of wood. Alright, here we go. Alright, not permanently harmed. On to the next one. It's a young woman clutching a splintered split chair leg. Alright, gonna, gonna fight, 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 fight. She falls down, 22 XP, possessed old woman, and she's really something, doesn't really matter, splintered chair leg maybe, and subdued, 22 XP, she falls down, 176 experience, you step back, maintaining a guarded stance, as your eyes scour the interior of the church for any sign of danger. Much to your immediate relief, it seems you are at last alone. After taking nearly a minute to recover from your battle with the possessed townsfolk, you set about making a search of the church. With one eye on the door, you make a thorough search of the church. Thorough search of the church turns up nothing of any particular interest. Okay, time to leave the church. You make your way out of the church and back to the dark, dreary, wainswept town square. The wane is now heavy and frigid. And those horses are still out there, apparently. Now, I'm, even though the text doesn't say it, we're all just going to assume I unhook the horses and put them in the stable. Even though the text doesn't say it, that's what happened. Now, just going to heal myself a bit. No, actually, our west and the west point. Okay, that fully restored me to the merchantile. 
moving across the gloomy, wainscot town square, with your every sense alert, you head for the merchantile. You reach the front door of the structure and spend several moments watching and listening, before cautiously making your way inside. Wavewine's small, well-kept merchantile stands on the northern side of the town square, not far from the tavern. The town's most important shop is filled with all manner of goods. Despite the parade of townsfolk that normally move in and out through the merchantile's pegged open door, there is no sign of anyone in or around the shop. A quick and cautious search of the premises turns up nothing of any particular interest. Leave the merchantile, but suddenly... You're less than three steps from the door when it suddenly slams shut. A soft footfall from behind sends your pulse racing, and you instinctively spin around, only to find yourself confronted by a sight that defies description. Standing together in the centre of the merchantile, only a few yards from you, how did they get there? Are seven men and women, their heads hung low, and their expressionless faces and unblinking eyes fixed on the floor. Slowly, nearly in unison, the members of the silent, ghastly horde raise their heads, transferring their haunting gazes from the floor to you. You once again find yourself confronted by a ghoulish, lurching legion of Red Warren's possessed citizenry. As you fall back and draw yourself into a defensive stance, your mind races to determine a course of action. The possessed horde continues to advance. Alright, the first one comes forward. It's a middle-aged man clutching an axe. Yep, just rushing through there. They hiss as they viciously assail you. And once again, for some reason, he changed to a woman once I beat him up. Yes, um, 22xp as well. Middle-aged woman, jagged length of wood. Okay, proceeds as she viciously assails you. Down she goes. Another 22 experience. An old man clutching an iron wake. Going to battle wage. God, just let me be. You've subdued your foe, 22 XP. Possessed old woman. Clutching a splintered table leg, of all things. She hisses as she viciously assails you. 22xp. Old woman, clutched chunk of stone. She's hitting me with a chunk of stone. Well, she's trying to, but she's knocked out now. 22xp. Possessed young man, clutching a club. Okay, now you've supposed to be sometimes they come back apparently. I haven't seen any of that yet. Alright, she falls down. Possessed young man clutching a crude knife now. Do 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 nearly done. Okay, and that was the seventh and last of them. 22xp. Falls down. 176 experience to general. 
taking a nearly a minute minute to recover from your battle with the possessed townsfolk, you set about making a search of the merchantile. With one eye on the door, you make a thorough search of the merchantile. Thorough search of the merchantile turns up nothing of any particular interest. Okay, leave the merchantile. Make your way out of the merchantile and back into the dark, dreary, rain-swept town square. Okay, the only place I haven't cleared out yet is the smithy. Now, game one will say if I clear this out, something should turn up. But first, I shall rest to restore one envy. Okay, investigate the smithy. Situated next to the mill on the eastern edge of the town square, the smithy appears to be undergoing some much needed repairs. Despite its somewhat dilapidated state, the smithy remains among the busiest and most prosperous enterprises in Red Warren. Though normally in operation from dawn to dusk, the smithy stands silent and empty. A quick and cautious search of the premises turns up nothing of any particular interest. Suddenly, you've taken less than three steps from the door when it suddenly slams shut. A soft footfall from behind sends your pulse racing. You instinctively spin around only to find yourself confronted. Confronted. Confronted by a sight that defies description. Standing together in the centre of the smithy. Only a few yards from where you are are five men and women. Their heads slung low and their expressionless faces and unblinking eyes fixed on the floor. Slowly, nearly in unison, the members of the silent, ghastly horde raise their heads, transferring their haunting gazes from the floor to you. Once again, you once again find yourself confronted by the ghoulish, lurching legion of Red Warren's possessed citizenry. As you fall back and draw yourself into a defensive stance, your mind races to determine a course of action. Uh, what could I do? What could I do? The possessed horde continues to advance. It's an old man with a splintered table leg who attacks me first. And regretfully, I have to knock him out. Because that's, that's apparently the only option I have. There might have been another option, but there's no button for me to press to actually do it. Possessed old woman clutching a crude knife. Oh dear, oh dear. A grandma, probably a grandma, 22xp. Number three, possessed old woman with another crude knife. Okay, yeah, just keep keep on bashing, keep on bashing, keep on bashing, keep on bashing. DXV. Possessed old man with a splintered jet leg. Keep on bashing. Bashing this old man. It's not so bad because he's mind controlled. Do 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 do. Subdued. 22XP. A possessed old man with an iron rod. 
possesses as he viciously assails you. And he is subdued. 22 XP once again. He's not been permanently harmed. None of these people have been permanently harmed. 144 experience to general. You step back, maintaining a guarded stance. As your eyes scour the interior of the smithy for any sign of danger. Much to your immediate relief, it seems you are at last alone. After taking nearly a minute to recover from your battle with the possessed townsfolk. You set about making a search the smithy. With one eye on the door, you make a thorough search of the smithy. In the dusty corner of the smithy, you find a wooden hatch set into the floor. A sturdy iron bar has been slid into place, securing the hatch closed. You carefully remove the bar, then pull open the hatch, revealing a dark opening. Just inside the opening rests the top of a ladder. The ladder descends into darkness for approximately ten feet before its sturdy legs come to a west. The damp floor of the stone-packed earth. It seems fairly obvious to you who discovered the cellar of the smithy. Now, since this is the only place I haven't been yet, I'm going to go down there and climb down into the cellar, rather than... What happens if I move away from the hatch? Nope, nothing happens. You just come back later. Climb down through the hatch. You take one last look around, seeking any sign of movement within the smithy, before cautiously climbing down into the cellar. You're standing at the base of the sturdy wooden ladder that climbs up, and out of the smithy stature. To the east, west and south, dank, murky passages disappear into darkness. Dim light spills down through the open hatch above, bathing you in its pale luminescence. Suddenly, while glancing upward, you think you can see what appears to be someone peering down through the hatch. You immediately reach for the ladder. You reach... For the ladder, only to have it swiftly and silently fly upwards through the open hatch. Before you can react to this startling turn of events, the lowest of the ladder's wings disappears through the opening, and the wooden hatch slams shut. The telltale sound of an iron bolt being slid back into place fills you with dread. Someone, or something, has deceived you in the cellar. And that's a bad thing. Okay, you're standing at the very spot where you first disappeared into the smithy cellar. To the east, west and south, dank, musty passages disappear into darkness. The ladder you've used to climb into the cellar is gone. And the hatch above has been bolted shut. Okay, this... Hmm. Kind of looks looks like a pair of glasses, kind of the map here. And I'm on the I'm on the bridge of the glasses. I think. Yeah, I'm in the middle of the dungeon. Okay, I'm going to 
just go, I'm going to go around first to the, your twisted light source, past the gloom with its warm, reassuring luminescence as you make your way through the musty cellar beneath the smithy. Okay, what's in the southwest corner? You're standing in the southwest corner of the smithy cellar, lying on the damp floor in the middle of the passage. It's a fist-sized grey stone, shaped to resemble a skull. An unsettling feeling washes over you as your gaze becomes inexplicably frozen on the curious object. A dazzling blue glow animates from the from the hollowed-out eyes of the eerie stone. An unsettled, the unsettled feeling swiftly subsides, only to be replaced by a profound sense of dread. As you struggle to look away from the skull-shaped show, begin to think that this strange rock is somehow at the centre of the grim calamity that has befallen Red One. And what happens if I approach it? You step closer to the skull-shaped stone and are swiftly overcome by a wave of nausea that leaves you momentarily breathless and disorientated. As you draw within striking distance, the sinister stone begins to tremble. It's a skull-shaped stone. It's an 18-plus to attack, which the overwhelming majority of the time, when something is an 18-plus to attack, that's because there's some sort of puzzle in the dungeon you have to solve. Most of the time. I mean, there are a few exceptions. There's the... There's that stone twirl we beat up in Tarn. That can often be 18 plus, no matter what you do. And there was those those undead after the strange statue quest. Though, though, those are almost certainly... At least one of them is going to be 18 plus for nearly everyone. Okay, this... Uh, so I'm just going to run from this. The wave of nausea washes over you as the wicked stone unleashes its silent attack. I have fled from combat. You stagger backwards, praying a swift retreat will move you beyond the range of the stone's skull stone's silent and deadly assault. As the glowing soul stone retreats into the shadows behind you, a sense of terror that overwhelmed you begins to fade. Okay, so... Just going to wander around. The progress along the musty cellar comes to an abrupt halt as a robed hooded figure launches out of the darkness ahead. A faint blue glow animates from the shadowy void beneath the figure's bulky black hood. You immediately recognise this sinister undead be dead being to be a vile possessor. An undead abomination with the ability to possess the minds of the living. A powerful awe of fear envelops you as the possessor moves silently along the passage towards you. Alright, I'm going to engage this hooded being. But what is a vile possessor? Among the most feared of the undead, due to their ability to assume control over living creatures they come into combat contact with our possessors. One of the more feared forms of these undead abominations are called vile possessors. 
Viable possessors typically haunt only the most secluded places, while they have the ability to possess the minds of humans and other creatures. Only very rarely do they venture out of their claimed lairs in search of souls to take possession of. It is said that powerful sorceresses, versed in the dark dark art of necromancy, may be able to utilise certain mediums that will allow for the summation and control of various types of possessors, included, including the dreaded vile possessor. So I, I'm going to go out of limb and say the person who threw me in here was probably the necromancer who summoned the vile possessor. So might as well engage I'll show engage the hooded being. As the hooded being silently draws to within melee range, its white hand shoots out and gasps grasps at you. You dodge to your left, narrowly avoiding the shadowy clawed hand of your sinister foe as you launch a counter attack. What? what this one's eighteen plus two? The, the ghoulish possessor reaches out you for its glowing, non-corporeal hands. Hmm. Okay, I'm going to flee from this too. Maybe there's something I have to do in this dungeon so I can take down these two. You turn and flee along the passage, narrowly dodging the shadowy clawed hand of your hooded foe. Much to relief, it seems you haven't been pursued. Okay. No, 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 I don't want to face the hooded beings. Okay, I'm, go I'm going to the end, the end of the Northwest Passage. Nothing was there. Okay, moving on to the Northeast Passage. Can't climb out, climb out of this cellar because the ladder is gone. You're standing in the western edge of a short passage. Lying on the ground before you is a tattered black robe. Hmm. That must be of some use. Take the robe. You, t you reach down and take possession of the tattered robe. View. This, this, grime, this is a grimy and tattered set of black robes. After carefully examining the hooded robe, you decide it will probably fit you. Well, that's convenient. Especially since, any, well, matter what size or type of adventurer came in here, it would fit them. Although, admittedly, robes... Well, with robes, there's a lot of flexibility in, what, in how they'd fit. I mean, because with a robe, if it's a bit big, you just wrap it round a bit more. Because if it's a bit small, you're in a... You're, you're in a you're in a sticky situation. I guess you just use it as a cape, then. Satisfied you haven't overlooked anything else, you once again resume your cautious exploration of the cellar. Okay, now I think if I equip this robe, which is um, oh, a, a piece of equipment for my back, then I should be able to take on these vile possessors. Okay, your progress along the musty cellar comes to an abrupt halt as a robed, hooded figure 
figure lurches out of the darkness head. A faint blue glow animates from the shadowy void beneath the figure's bulky black hood. You immediately recognise this sinister undead being to be a vile possessor. An undead abomination with the ability to possess the minds of the living. You're about to draw yourself into a defensive stance. When suddenly the possessor stops and turns to face in the opposite direction. Okay, I'm going to take advantage of that and attack it from behind. You deal a swift, well-placed blow from behind and it staggers the world figure. Before the silent hooded being has a chance to recover from your surprise attack, you launch a bold and furious assault against the vile possessor. And it's now a plus three, which means it's as easy as it can get. The ghoulish possessor reaches out for you with its glowing, non-corporeal hands. The touch of your enemy sends a deathly chill the length of your body. For 29 damage, and it's done it twice in a row. Alright, these are still pretty tough then. But still, it is slaying. 135 experience. Without a sound, the road being slumps to the floor of the passage. You step back for the remains of your enemy, and a shock to discover only a crumpled heap of tattered black woes remain, remain in the spot where your enemy fell. Your eyes are suddenly drawn to your left hand. Your left hand is emitting a faint blue glow. After carefully examining the black hooded robe left behind by your departed foe, you feel reasonably certain it would be safe to take the garment, if you so desire. Okay, so I can also... That's exactly like the other one I have. I want to take this one too. I'm going to get a whole set of tattered black robes. Yay, then we, then I can... Um, Set up a tattered, tattered black robe shop, with no sign of anything else lurking in nearby gloom, and with no sound of movement anywhere along the passage, you once again resume your cautious exploration of the cellar. Alright. Oh, here's another one, Vile Possessor. Because of the robe I'm wearing, it looks the other way. I'm going to attack it from behind. You deal a swift, well-placed blow from behind that staggers the world's figure. Before the silent hooded being has a chance to recover from your surprise attack, you launch a bold and furious assault. It's the vile possessor. Reaches out for you its glowing, non-corporeal hands. And he's now slain. Didn't even get one special in. 135 XP. Without a sound, the road being slumps to the floor of the passage. You step back from the remains of your enemy and are shocked to discover only a crumpled heap of tattered black woes remains on the spot where your enemy fell. Your eyes are suddenly drawn to your left hand. It emits a dim blue glow. After carefully examining the black, the black hooded robe left behind by your departed foe, feel reasonably certain it would be safe to take the garment if you so desire. I do, I do. They're just so stylish. 
with no sign of anything else lurking in the nearby gloom, and with no sound of movement anywhere in the passage, you once again resume your cautious exploration of the cellar. Okay, left hand emits a dim blue glow. Right, I'm just going to wander around looking for more of those vile possessors. I mean, it's here we go. And attack it from behind. Begin combat. This reaches out through its glowing no corporeal hands. Just did a special attack. With a touch of your enemy, sends a deathly chill the length of your body. And now it's done it again for 19 damage. But now it is slain. 135 XP. Your left hand now emits a bright blue glow. Okay, that's probably a good thing. And I can take its robes again. Okay, now I'm just going to keep wandering around because if, if only for the experience fighting these tattered, these vile possessors and getting their tattered robes is worth doing. Attack the hooded and another one has just turned up. Attack from behind. Begin combat. Bash, 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 which is ours. The touch of your enemy sends a deathly chill of the length of your body. 17 damage. It's now slain. 135 XP. A very blight glue glow animates from my hand. And I'll take this this other robe too. Okay, this might be... I'm just going to wander around. Oh, nope. It's another one. Thought that might be it. But nope, there's at least one more. Bash, 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 bash. The Vile Possessor. It is slain. 135 XP. Dazzling blue glow. And also I can take its robe. No sign of anything else lurking in the nearby gloom. No sound of movement anywhere along the passage. Once again, resume your cautious exploration of the cellar. Okay, now I'm going to wander around and just see if there's any more of these vile possessors around. Because, honestly, defeating them is a good thing in themselves. And I might get an even more dazzling glow, blue glow from my hand. Alright, this seems to be all of them. I'll just keep... I'll just go from one corner to the other a couple of times. Okay, if I go reach the end of this sentence without, without doing any random battles, I am going to assume that every single vile possessor this has been summoned, presumably using that skull face stone, has been slain. Oh, and there we are. Yep, indeed, it is done. Just gonna heal myself. And now, let's go face that skull stone. You're standing in the southwest corner of the smithy cellar, lying on the damp stone floor in the middle of the passage. It's a fist-sized grey stone, shaped to resemble a skull. An unexpected feeling, unsettled feeling, washes over you as your gaze becomes inexplicably frozen on a curious object. The unsettled feeling swiftly subsides, only to be replaced by a profound sense of dread. 
As you struggle to look away from the skull-shaped scone, you begin to think that this strange rock is somehow at the centre of the grim calamity that's befallen Red Warren. Okay, well, I've beat up, I've beat up all the vile possessions. I have a dazzling blue glow on my left hand. There doesn't seem to be anything else we can do here. Time to face the stone. You step closer to the skull-shaped stone and are swiftly overcome by a wave of nausea that leaves you momentarily breathless and disorientated. As you draw to within striking distance, the sinister stone begins to tremble. It's a skull-shaped stone. And now it is three plus, which is a lot easier. A wave of nausea washes over you. The wicked stone unleashes its silent attack. You know what? Time to use that glowing bone fragment. Because it's not going to last beyond this, this quest anyway. The glowing bone fragment flares brightly as its powerful magic assails your foe. Your enemy is drained for 96 damage and is stunned. I swing my mace for an extra 6 damage. And it can't even attack this round, but it doesn't matter because it is now slain. 162 experience. No, wait. 262 experience. With a sharp crack. The skull-shaped stone suddenly shatters to hundreds of small, jagged fragments. Thin, black tines of weaving energy leap out across the cellar floor, forcing you to leap more than once to avoid being struck by the deadly energy. As the lightning flickers and fades, the overwhelming sense of terror begins to recede. Your eyes are drawn to a scorched mark on the floor. All that remains to mark the spot upon which the glowing stone rested. You suddenly note the glowing bone fragment in your possession has disintegrated. Yep. Even though you can use it twice, you can't keep it to use in any other quests. Because we really are, I mean, be able to do about 100 damage with no cooldown. That. That would be quite overpowered. Admittedly, it's both shots together are not as powerful as a, a decent shot with a wonder dragon fire, but still, still for something you didn't you didn't even have to do any particularly long arduous quests to do, it's a bit overpowered. And also, if you if you didn't use it now. It would be one of those items no one ever uses. It'd be like Tally's Echoing Whisper. I mean, people. I mean, I've had characters that got that years ago, and they've never used it because it's one of the, it's one of those too cool to use things. What happens next? Your eyes still fixed on the start, start scorched mark on the floor at your feet. You lean back against the wall and attempt to collect your thoughts and catch your breath. In the wake of the stone's destruction, 
As you brush, your, brush away two small spiders crawling across your left shoulder, you suddenly become aware of the thuddering echo of many footsteps crossing the floor above. Sounds as if all of Red Warren is now crowding the smithy. Okay, I hope this isn't... I hope this isn't a good way, not they're all going to go down the cellar and attack me at once way. Because, well, well, I don't know. Because, I, I mean, we don't know how many vile possessors they summoned. I mean, it could be that most of the vile possessors are vilely possessing. After checking over your equipment, you realise it's time to see. You can at last make your way out of the cellar. Okay. There's the, that's where the skull was. Back to the middle of the dungeon. Just hope. Just. I guess if people. If there are people up there. I can just call for help at least. Assuming these people. You know. Not possessed by evil. And even if they are. I, I could just go down the ladder anyway, and then I could just get up, get up anyway. So really, it's my only option. You reach the spot where you first stepped into this dark cellar and stare up at the closed hack. The mangled sound of footfalls and voices from above serve to raise your spirits. Voices? Yes, yes, vo voices are a good sign. Through remaining on your guard, you begin to think of the strange nightmare that descended upon Red One. Nightmare you unwittingly walked into is at last over. After waiting, waiting for several moments, listening intently to the sounds of movement above, across the floor above, you call out for someone to open the hatch. Seconds later, the sound of something heavy being pushed off the hatch reaches your ears and the iron-banded slab of wood is drawn back, flooding the cellar with, bright, with, with a bright golden light. The ladder is once again lowered down through the opening. As you step onto the first rung and look upwards, your heart nearly skips a beat. Staring down at you through the open hatch, a head and soldiers framed the flickering light of the womb above. It's a tattooed white woman you encountered shortly after your arrival in Red Warren. Woman, who previously displayed not the slightest hint of emotion, smiles before withdrawing from the opening and disappearing. Eager to meet up with her and earn her by gently, you spring up the walled lungs of the ladder and climb through the open hatch to the well-lit and clouded smithy. Despite your overwhelming relief to find the Citizens of Red Wall are no longer possessed, though a good many of them bear marks that, are, that attest to the brutal struggle you waged to batter them into submission. You're dismayed there is no sign of the tattooed woman. First thing upon you notice upon leaving the smithy is the wane has stopped. The main square and the thoroughfare running through it remain hopelessly muddy. Ooh, where, where? I mean, really, you sh you you, sh you should have managed that so that it doesn't get muddy. And you know, no, you know, like have stones on the top, have a camber, a camber in the road, so that so the water runs from the middle 
to the edge. Now, if you look at a woad, you'll notice that. That it goes up in the middle. I mean, a proper woad. Probably a little, little tiddly country lanes, not so much. But proper woads, they go up in the middle. So all the water flows to the edge and goes into the drains. Well, that's how it works in super rainy countries like good old Blighty. So maybe, maybe, maybe in other countries, not it's probably not. You probably don't have to worry about that as much, but good old Blighty, you do. <laughs> and so all the roads have cambers. I mean, it's a technology that goes back thousands of years, because there's we there's really no point spending. Spending ages wait, making making a making a road, if it's going to turn into nothing the instant you actually need it, because most places walking across most terrain when it's dry and not raining, it's all right. But but if it's good, it's gonna be terrible when everything else is terrible. You're wasting your time. But the churning clouds under which you liberated the, ta- the town have began to give way to the to a few broad columns of sunlight. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I kind of understand. I mean, it is a village. They presumably don't have the huge resources, you know, to make proper roads. Immediately seek out the Red Warren's magistrate, a plump, white-haired man named Judelaw. Those bruised, bruised, bas- bruised and battered faces, unfortunately, vaguely familiar to you. You believe you recall battering him into submission in the meeting house. Drawing him aside, you introduce yourself and provide him with a full account of everything that's occurred since your arrival in town taking care to leave out some of the more gruesome details. Through the magistrate and those who, who were possessed have no recollection of the events, events of the last couple of days. The story is collaborated by a group of returning what's townsfolk who fled into the forest at the outset of Red Warren's nightmare. The wider, this is Hood Lodor, drawing his fist up to his lips, there's a strange rider, a lone horseman, that passed through two days ago. Silent fellow. I saw I saw him taking an undue bit of interest in our circle of warding. When I when I approached him, he rode off. Never said a word to me. Never muttered a word to anyone while he rode through. It was shortly after he had gone, the same night in fact, that we noticed three of the stones of warding were missing. Yodor tells you, believes the silent stranger stole the stones, and then, with the stone of ward, circle of warning no longer able to protect the town, used some sort of dark magic against Red Warren and its people. Though, though you appreciate the logic of his superstition, you remain uncertain, certain of the wall, of the wall if any, this lone wider may have paid in the town's ghastly ordeal. Yodor thanks you for returning the warding stones to their rightful place. 
Skull-shaped stone, you say? Yoda shakes his head. And she repeat for him the part of the account that describes the stone's destruction. In the cellar of the smithy, I should have a look at the market left, left, but not just yet, mind you. My head's still aching, and my knees feel about ready to buckle. I'm grateful, of course, that you saw fit to spare her, so, so, given our state. Very grateful indeed. You ask Yudo if he knows anything further about the lone wider, including where he might have been headed. He wasn't young, but I can't say he was old either. But he didn't really get a look for look at his wet his face. He wore a wide brimmed leather hat and a blue cloak. Was it green? Yes, green I think. Don't know where he was going, but I was glad to see him leave. Still, suppose it's mostly conjecture to think he had anything to do with this. To be completely honest, I don't know what to think about any of this. You follow up your question about the wider by asking the magistrate about the name of a woman with the tattooed face. The woman you last saw when you climbed out of the cellar of the smithy less than an hour ago. Yudor frowns and shakes his head. There's no body in a town like that, he says. I've never been. I never see anyone anywhere who would match the description. You saw her here, in town, stars all over her face. Realising he knows nothing of a woman, you tell him you might have been mistaken about her appearance and allow the matter to rest. Yudor, moving with obvious discomfort, a lasting token of your exceptional combat powers, for which you can't help but feel somewhat guilty, meets you in a shoulder cross, and thanks you for delivering Red One and its populace out of the jaws of the sinister and gruesome fates. I've heard of you, Zoop, he says, but then, who in these parts hasn't? I'll say I'm thankful you wandered our way when you did, and mind as I never get any no- notion to cross you. These bruises, bruises are any sort of testament, testament to your battle skill. I'd rather not find myself at odds with you. Not ever. So what was it that brought you our way to begin with? Mentioning neither the strong box nor your meeting with Mordrin in, in Hillclaw, you tell Yodor you're looking for Mirin Wilson, a man who you believe is to be found somewhere in Red Woman. Magistrate gives you a quizzical look and then shrugs. If it's Lur Milson you came seeking, he's found easily enough, he says. But I can't figure that someone like you would have have in the way of business with someone like that. His place is North Town away, it's off by itself, much like you himself. He's a strange bird, that one. I don't know of anyone to have a quarrel with him. Although I don't know of anyone who has anything to do with him in the first place. Yodor tells you that Lur's family was once among the most prominent in the region. When you ask what became of the family since, he shakes his head. Old Milson, as we know him, Lur's father it is, was always a bit off, if you follow me. Though he was of good nature mostly, he says. When he died, his wife shortly after him, their four boys, well, to put it plain, plainly, fell into madness. The eldest took his life. Two of them wandered off and never returned. And the youngest of them, Lur, well, he's your heir. Living in 
li- li- living in the old, one of old Milton's orchard growing. You have learned, mind you, who taught his family's ancestral home. The magistrate smiles and shakes his head. Enough about all that. You're looking for Lur. Your reasons for doing so are none of my business. Perhaps you already know what I've told you. In any event, you'll find his place on the road leading north out of town. Oh, and be sure to step, stop back this way before, before you leave us. As your door hobbles off, you can't help but wince when you think of the necessary through non-lethal violence you employed against the possessed citizenry of Redwine. You sincerely hope you never again find yourself faced with such a difficult and unavoidable predicament. On the northern outskirts of Redwine, just beyond the overgrown remains of the abandoned orchard, you find the ramshackle, single-room residence of Lur Milson, the thin, middle-aged man invites you in and quickly off- offers you some freshly brewed paleo he's just taken off the fire. When you relate to him the horrifying events that had taken place in town, he stares at you in shocked disbelief and shakes his head. I don't go into town very much, he says, but I think that something of that nature would happen right under my nose. I've done nothing about it. This is ghastly. Do hope everything's all right. They are, aren't they? After describing for him your victory over the dark forces that hold the town in their terrifying grip, Lur purrs pours both of you more payload. I don't know if it's related, but a strange fellow passed here no more than three days back, he says, as you conclude your account. He wore a green cloak and, and had an add-on a leather hat, very wide brim to it, I heard his horse clopping along for a good stretch, and I came out and waved to him. But he, he never even turned to look at me. I don't I didn't care for his look, mind, or for the way he carried himself. Do you think he might have had any hand in all of this? He immediately recognised Lur's account of the lone wider, matches up with the description given to you by Yildor. Realising that Lur is waiting for you to answer the question, you shrug your shoulders, telling you you're not certain. Suddenly recalling the purpose for your visit, you retrieve the iron strongbox from among your possessions. You then then gladly set the weighty container down on the uneven surface, the wobbly table at which you're seated. When you told Lur you came to Wedwan to deliver him this box, the quest of the paleo merchant Mordwin. Look, confusion spreads across the face of your host. I've heard of the name, he says, examining the box. But I've never met this Mordrin fellow. He gave you this for me? What is it? Shall I open it? Yes, I think I'll open it. Much to surprise, without using any sort of key, Lur effortlessly flips back the sturdy lid, revealing the contents of the strong box. Lur reaches into the open strong box and retrieves a black pouch, small quantity of gold and a wooden box. He peeks into the black pouch and opens the box. Much to your surprise, he promptly closes the small container and slides it across to you. No use for these, he says. Perhaps you can make use of them. I've never been able to figure out what purpose those, those things serve. 
You flip open the small box and are pleased to discover four adventurer tokens. After thanking, thanking Lur, you promptly scoop up the valuable currency. I now have 83 adventurer tokens. I still don't know what all this means, he says. I've never met Mordrum, but for what reason has he given me all this? As you... As you... Safely put away the adventure tokens. You take note of Lur as he places his left hand atop of the black pouch you removed from the strongbox. A pouch he peeped into only moments ago. He slowly moved towards the small cloth bag towards himself, with his hand covering the pouch. He continues to sip at a steaming payo. So, I could ask him what's in the pouch, or not. I'm going to ask him. Lur fidgets nervously and initially says nothing in response to your inquiry. Then in a wavering voice betrays his unease, he changes the subject as he carefully sips from his mug of steaming palo. Hmm. So I could press him or decide against questioning him further. You know what? I happen to know that if you do press him, uh, if you press him, you have to fight him, but you still don't get the question answered, so decide against questioning him further. Satisfied to have made the delivery, and if you have no desire to intrude upon his privacy, decide against making any further inquiries with regard to the black pouch and its mysterious contents. After finishing your palo, you rise and bid Lur farewell, eager to depart from Red Warren and return to Hawklaw. Seeing you out and thanking you again, Lur lingers in the doorway, watching you as you make your way along the lonely road that leads back into town. You head back through the town square on your way out of Redwall. It's there that you encounter the magistrate Lurdor. Busy directing the clean-up effort now underway throughout the town square, he takes you aside and thanks you. It was Providence that you came to us when you did, he says. Stopping to, to, to scold several children, pitching rocks nearby. Shudder to think what le, what fate lay store for you, you haven't a while. Plus you found Lear. Without elaborating the details of your visits to Lear, you simply nod in response to his inquiry. Taking your leave of Lurdor, you wish him well, and tell him that you'll be happy to return to Wedwall and say, though you're certainly not in a hurry to deliver any more packages. He meets you in the shoulder cross and wishes you a safe journey while heading off in the direction of the mill. The trek back to Hawklaw proceeds without incident as you make your way along the many small winding roads that serve to carve a path through the rugged but beautiful Hart Hills. You begin to wonder how quickly word of Red Warren's recent ordeal spread throughout the region. Now and again your thoughts turn to Mordrian the locally renowned Palo merchant, those requests you make the fateful journey to Red One. For you not, do not believe he has played any part in what occurred here. Hope you are able to speak to him some day and ask him about the unusual delivery he made on your behalf. The lone wider describes you by your draw and the tattered, tattooed woman you encountered on more than one occasion during your adventure. Linger as unanswered questions in the back of your mind. 
as the first of Hawkclaw's outer dwellings loom into view just up ahead. You're greeted by the wokening smell of wood smoke. With your journey now at an end, the weariness that plagues your limbs and your mind seems to melt away as you turn and head back for Hawk, for the stoneback, eager to plant yourself before the health, even at the risk of having to endure another pillipause, long-winded, twice-told yarns. Besides, you all but sir, certain you the makings of a fireside, fireside tale worth an hour or two. And that finishes this adventure at long last with 4096 experience to general and 512 experience to all skills and powers so that finishes off the Red Warren quest and once again it didn't it didn't unlock any other quests so the the only the only adventure left to do in Hawklaw is a little matter about an orb, which is an adventure that we were already retained to do. So we probably should have done it a lot earlier, really, but... Oh, well. The way... Just because, just because it, 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 I did everything in the play, in the game I did things months afterwards... In the context of the narrative, context in the game world, it may well have only been a few weeks. Oh, well. so, but that's for next time. And until then, farewell, fellow adventurers. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Support for this podcast and the following message come from Coriant. Coriant provides wealth management services centered around you. They focus on exceeding your expectations and simplifying your life. Coriant has been helping high achievers just like you enjoy their lives more fully, preserve their wealth, and provide for the people, causes, and communities they care about. As one of the largest integrated fee-only registered investment advisors in the U.S., Coriant has deeply experienced teams in 23 strategic locations. Coriant has extensive knowledge spanning the full spectrum of planning, investing, lending, and money management disciplines. Leverage Coriant's exclusive network of experts to craft custom solutions designed to help you reach your financial goals, no matter how complex they may be. Real wealth requires real solutions. For more information, connect with a wealth advisor today at Coriant.com. That's C-O-R-I-E-N-T.com. Coriant.com.